lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Hope you had a great weekend. My name is Steve Dace alongside Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin, and all of you. Let us know. What you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox, you can email us, steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And you can also check us out on the alternatives that to have more of a respect for free speech. I look for Steve Dace on Parler, MeWe, and Gab next hour. Our new followers at Gab. We'll take center stage with our Monday Town Hall weekly Ask Me Anything. They get to ask the questions next hour. You can also find clips of the show at youtube.com slash Steve Dace, but they practice censorship there, so beware. You can also go to rumble.com slash Steve Dace show. And we begin another week with Fauci and Bargain. What a week it was last week. Number one Amazon overall bestseller. Number one Wall Street Journal bestseller. Number four USA Today bestseller. We cannot thank you enough. We're up to about 1,200 reviews for this book already at Amazon.com. The overwhelming majority of them are five-star reviews. I mean, it's just the reaction to this has been incredible. I had our our publisher uh, sent me a text over the weekend, said that a speechwriter from a well-known member of Congress, and no, it wasn't Anybody that endorsed the book, so we weren't double dipping on you, so it's not Ted Cruz, Chip Roy, Rand Paul, no members of Congress that endorsed the book. Somebody else who was not. Uh, a speechwriter for a well-known member of Congress who did not endorse the book texted them over the weekend, said everybody they know in D.C. is talking about this book right now. So thank you to all of you for the effort you made to make this the first bestseller in the history of this program and... We've got a unique shot for a, shall we say, second wave. If, and there are plenty of good reasons why, you have been holding back because you don't want to give your money to Amazon.com. Well, uh, after much demand, finally, the book will be also listed at BarnesandNoble.com as well. So just look for Fauci and Bargain there. It just got placed there a couple of days ago. I think we're already in like the top 60 books overall at BarnesandNoble.com as well. So just look for Fauci and Bargain, the most powerful and dangerous bureaucrat in American history at BarnesandNoble.com too. If you were one of those who just don't want to enrich Jeff Bezos anymore, Can't say I blame you. If we had another option, if they didn't control 83% of the book market, we would have chosen those other options. But alas, we didn't didn't really have that kind of an option to reach this big of an audience. But now that we've reached a lot of that audience, we can branch out. And so you've got an opportunity to get a copy of the book at barnesandnoble.com as well. Thank you to all of you that have purchased one or several. I know a lot of you did that too. Uh, This would not have happened without all of you. And we cannot thank you enough. So thank you for the success of our first ever best-selling book. All right. I mentioned next hour, it will be our Monday town hall gab loser users. will get to ask us anything. Um, and then at the bottom of the hour, our good friend, Bob Vanderplatz will be joining us. We'll get into a couple of stories that Aaron will be highlighting in his montage here. What's going on with uh, grace life church in Canada, as well as a Supreme court ruling. That is a win, I guess. We'll get into that with Bob Vanderplatz at the bottom of the hour. But before we get into all of that, here's Aaron's rundown of what happened 
while we were away. What Happened While We Were Away brought to you by Just What We Needed Right Now. Yesterday afternoon, police officers in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, that's a suburb of Minneapolis, pulled over a car for a traffic violation. Police then determined the driver, Dante Wright, had an outstanding warrant and then Wright tried to get back in the vehicle after the police attempted to arrest him. Police then shot Wright, who then kept driving for several blocks before crashing in to another vehicle. Wright was pronounced dead at the scene. Cut to Sunday night, and Minneapolis was on fire once more. Rioters looted, vandalized, clashed with police, and caused general mayhem in the small suburb. Little is known about Wright other than the aforementioned warrant for his arrest. His Facebook page was filled with pictures of him flaunting stacks of cash and making gang symbols. Race baiters have made the unsubstantiated claim that Wright was pulled over because an air freshener was blocking his rearview mirror. Moving on, Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson is doubling down on his genital mutilation fetish, this time in front of a friendlier audience on CNN. To me, uh, this is about the future of our party. Are we going to be a narrow party uh, that expresses ourselves in intolerant ways? Or are we going to uh, be a broad-based party that shows conservative principles, but also compassion in dealing with some of the most difficult issues that parents face, that individuals face. CBS News is reporting a quote-unquote first-of-its-kind call between over 100 corporate leaders over the weekend. The focus of this call was on how to respond to proposed changes in state voting laws. Some of the corporations involved included American Airlines, United Airlines, the Atlanta Falcons, Walmart, Viacom, CBS, AMC Theaters, and more. Learning Chinese today. Today's phrase is, that's how we do. No, seriously, that's how fascists do. Lockdown for thee, but not for me update. Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer's chief operating officer, a woman named Trisha Foster, posted photos on Facebook recently from a Florida beach where she vacationed, not wearing a mask and Of course, not social distancing, which is fine, except the state of Michigan still has a mask mandate, only just recently went back to school, and Governor Whitmer still has travel restrictions in place. Meanwhile, in New Zealand, where they're implementing a no-jab, no-job policy, Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern explains. The vast majority have been vaccinated. Some will be government agencies. Some, however, as in this case, will be someone who's working for a private company. In those cases, the private companies obliged to make sure that individuals have been vaccinated. Next time you're trying to flee a potentially deadly island volcano, you better make sure you have the COVID vaccine because you're not getting off that island without one. On the Caribbean island of St. Vincent, after the first volcanic eruption there in more than 40 years, the volcano sent a thick cloud of smoke 20,000 feet into the sky, spewing ash for miles. Cruise ships are evacuating people from the island, but only those vaccinated against COVID. The ever-merciful Supreme Court, in a one-vote majority, said California's ban on in-home religious gatherings is unconstitutional. Remember last week, the update we provided you about Grace Life Church outside Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and how police set up two layers of fencing and the health ministry, quote-unquote, physically closed the church indefinitely? Well, there's now another update. Yesterday, a crowd of about 400 protesters gathered outside the fence of the church, singing hymns and listening to readings of Scripture. 
scriptures when about 200 heavily armed riot police arrived to quell the crowd. Later on in the protest, the crowd successfully attempted to tear down sections of the fence surrounding the church. Lawyers for the church say few, if any, in the crowd were members of Grace Life. Also in Canada, this time in Montreal, where the city recently announced yet another round of 8 p.m. curfews. On the first night, these curfews were to be in effect. Hundreds of protesters gathered in old Montreal to defy those curfews. Unfortunately, reports indicate some in this crowd turned violent, smashing some windows and lighting fires. And now Dr. Anthony Fauci, one of the chief authors of the chaos in this montage, who spoke to Business Insider on what he thinks vaccinated people can and cannot do. Quote, I don't think I would, even if I'm vaccinated, go to an indoor crowded place where people are not wearing masks, end quote. And then there's this. MSNBC's Mehdi Hassan has put Dr. Fauci on the spot over the weekend. And this clip is the alpha and omega of Fauci's COVID lies. Saying we shouldn't mask up as well was a mistake, wasn't it? A huge mistake at the time, not just in hindsight. No, I, you know, I keep seeing that clip getting played over and over again. So if you could give me 15 seconds, I'll go right back at you with this. Okay. At the time, three things were going on. We were told very clearly at the coronavirus task force, including by the Surgeon General, who's a good person all the way, that there was a clear shortage of masks. And if we went around recommending masks, the healthcare providers who were putting themselves in harm's way every single day would not have enough. Point number one. Point number two. There was no evidence at the time that masks outside of the setting of the hospital worked. There were no data to show that. Number three, we did not know that at least 50% of the infections were being spread asymptomatically, namely by people that had no symptoms. That's the reason why at that time, We, I, and others made that statement. A new study from the CDC says your chances of being infected with COVID via surfaces, those fomites you hear about, is around 1 in 10,000. Meaning all this obsessive cleaning you've seen everywhere for the past year was... All performative. And finally, this headline from the Babylon Bee. Clever Minneapolis business owner disguises store to look like it's already been looted. And that's what happened while we were away. Wow. There is a handful of shows in that montage alone brought to you by Home Title Lock. Your credit card company says they found suspicious charges on your card. That's simple identity theft. It's annoying, but often they'll cover it. Uh, they'll even let you know about it sometimes before you even find out uh, that type of, the, but the type of fraud you really need to be concerned about is home title theft, because that is a devastating crime that takes you off your home's title and you're not covered by homeowners insurance uh, or your mortgage lender uh, by that kind of fraud. And that's why you need home title lock. Here's how easy it is for cyber criminals to get to you. The title documents to our homes, they're kept online. The thieves forge your signature on what's called a quit claim deed stating you've sold your home and they're the new owner and then they start borrowing money against your home's equity leave you with the debt often you don't know about it until those late payment notices or eviction notices arrive and the instant though that home title lock detects any tampering with your home's title they will mobilize to shut it down so let's get you protected right now go to hometitlelock.com register your address to see if you're already a victim and then while you're there enter the code radio to get 30 free days of protection with the code radio, 30 free days of protection at hometitlelock.com. In the overtime today, 
we're going to discuss Asa Hutchinson's ongoing gaslighting parade. And I have thought that this is a perfectly fair critical question to ask. And this has come up more often the last within the last decade. Todd, you've wrestled with this question. What do we do with Catholic politicians that go out there and legislate and govern opposed to church teaching? Should they be denied communion, right? Right. That's a perfectly fair point. Yes. Yes. What What does it mean, by the way, for the, for the Protestants in the audience or the irreligious that don't know? Why is that such a grim prospect? What does it mean for the Catholic that is denied communion? Well, you transubstantiation we believe the eucharist is is fully christ body blood soul and divinity and you it's it's not a symbol and again steve says all the time it's important not to you don't have to believe that but you have to at least take them right on at face value you can disagree with that theology but but don't stereotype yes it's 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 in in no way a symbol the great flannery o'connor said if it's a symbol then well the hell with it you know Mm -hmm. we believe we are participating that's the most intimate connection so you're essentially outside the grace of god if you are denied a communion yes correct your sins are no longer covered right correct as a catholic if you were to die outside of that communion then hell or purgatory awaits for you correct well well purgatory awaits all of us no matter what on some level but yes okay so your salvation is literally at stake if you're a catholic if you're denied yes that right okay um not purely you were i just want to make a distinction because because you are with you were denied communion it does not mean you are that that's not an official excommunication that's mm -hmm. a separate thing right but when you are pulled back from the most intimate grace yes that there is yes you are obviously playing with fire meaning it's not a permanent banishment unless you were to die then it might be correct correct because grace still exists the next mass but if you if you if you are denied communion you are outside the grace of the church correct okay all right that's pretty serious yeah okay i think it might be time on the protestant side of this to start asking, where's the pastoral accountability for this stuff on our side of the street? Where's Asa Hutchinson's pastor? Who is he? I mean, if Paul was Asa Hutchinson's pastor and he went and did an interview and said the things that he said in that clip there and has said previously about castrating kids or anybody for that matter, if Paul was that person, was was Governor Hutchinson's pastor would he be in a good a person in good standing of pastor apostle paul's church do you think i don't know i don't know paul paul kind of strikes me as the guy who would make the argument well you know this whole christianity thing's big tent yeah. you know it's the future of he's the tent maker after all yeah, yeah yeah future of the uh future of the part i mean the uh, religion at stake here yeah you're right he probably just i mean we've got that's why he didn't have much to say in the new testament he's just known for letting a lot of things slide yeah yeah yeah, I'm thinking he probably would have something to say about well, this. This okay. is what you've always said about uh, being a Catholic. Well, hey, Pope, I, show me. You know, I'd really like to see this heavy hand right. every once in a while. You can't ask me as a Protestant to believe this more than you do. So let me see you act on exactly. what you say you believe. But the yes. same by extension, as you've always said, everybody has an authority figure. Yep. Are you the authority of this church or aren't you, Pastor? That's, that's exactly right. Yes. Who's So you got a guy, you're probably, I'm guessing he's your most public member. Sitting there in the pews, if he ever shows up, but just 
openly telling people, hey, you know, basically you're an intolerant bigot if you don't want to castrate kids here in Arkansas. I don't know. Kind of think that, you know, we're not talking about necessarily like, you know, what the copay on your health insurance plan ought to be or what the top marginal tax rate ought to be. I, I kind of think that the denial of the most fundamental fact of all of creation he created them, male and female, in his image. He created them. Moses writes those words in the very first book of the book of the Bible, in fact. I, I kind of think that that might be an issue for some pastoral accountability. Well, maybe it's just me. If not there, where, Steve? Then where would it happen? <laughs> yes. So we'll get into that in the overtime today, that maybe instead of going after the politicians now, um, if, if, listen, if Asa Hutchinson wants to audition... Because he's about to be term limited out of the job. If he wants to be auditioned for a role on the Walmart board of directors, he may do that on his own time, but not on the churches. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think maybe a conversation along those lines needs to be had. So we will have that later today in the overtime. Let's get to a couple of other things. Um, I don't even know what to do with that Fauci clip. And frankly, I kind of think that if we don't know what to do with that clip... Then nobody does. Can you believe it's two I, weeks I, in a row since our book came out, and in both weekends, yeah. he's come out and basically said, "Hold my beer, I can do better." Yeah, I don't, I don't know, I, I don't know what to do with it, man. I don't. And I here's the thing, guys. Fifteen percent or fifty percent of cases are not asymptomatic spread. That's just not true. I don't, I don't. It's just yeah. not true, guys. This has been studied all over the world. It's been studied in our own country. The ratio typically is around 3 to 12%. It's just not true. And, that, and, and they have to hold on to that because that was the entire rationale for the lockdowns from the beginning. Okay? That you and I would get this, we're healthy, not know it, go home and kill grandma. Okay? Instead, grandma died in the nursing home anyway. Because a lot of the governors that did what Andrew, that did what, like Andrew Cuomo, that did what Anthony Fauci told them to do, infected her with the, with the symptomatically positive elderly. But let's just grant, just, I want to show you what complete and total malevolent BS that is. Because he's, his goose is cooked on either, no matter which end of this argument, he chooses to assert. Logically, he's toast. He loses both ends of the argument. He's the Justin Hammer of experts. <laughs> That's a great uh, analogy. Yeah. Okay. So either A, the notion that 50% of cases are spread asymptomatically is a scam, which it is. It's a scam. Not true. It's just not true, guys. Okay. It's not true. But let's grant that it is. Let's have fun with this, shall we? Let's grant that it is. So... 50% of cases are spread asymptomatically, and yet today, April 12th, 2021, the worst state in America for COVID-19 is my former home state of Michigan. Worst case surge, worst rate of hospitalizations in the country. My former home state of Michigan, I was listening to a sports podcast the other day, um, and... Uh, it was covering college football. And the host mentioned that somebody they worked with, uh, that they, and they're, and they were covered, and they're, they're from Michigan. And the host mentioned somebody that they work with, uh, 
had just had COVID and just gotten back from Florida and wondered, boy, boy, went down to Florida where it's open season on COVID down there. It's the worst state in the country for COVID and probably came back here. And, no, dude, it's the other way around. Got it in your state. Your state's the worst in America. Worst place in America for COVID cases and hospitalizations right now. That's right. Andrew Cuomo is in your rear view mirror, Gretchen Whitmer. Where high ranking officials in her administration go and party for spring break down in Florida, maskless. All right. But in October of last year, that would be six months ago. Is that a good deal of time to study real time data, do you think? Yeah. yeah six months better than wait two weeks. What do you think? What's, right. a, what's a better real time data sample? Wait two weeks or six months? What do you think? I think we're going with the latter. Uh, probably the latter, right? Six months is a good data set. So six months ago, uh, the state of Michigan does not have a mask mandate by governor uh, executive order because they don't need one. She gave the Department of Health the power to in- impose that on the people instead. So it's an emergency order by the Michigan Department of Health. This was this was uh, enacted. This was, well, it wasn't enacted. Uh, this was dictated last October, so six months ago. Six months of lagging of a head start for masks in the state of Michigan. And yet we sit here six months later and it's the worst state for cases and hospitalizations in the country. If it didn't work, if the masks didn't work with six months of a head start right now in the state of Michigan, then they don't work. Furthermore, if 50% of cases are spread asymptomatically, so you're masked up in Michigan, you may be positive, didn't get tested, you're asymptomatic. You're not sneezing into that puppy, right? You're not wiping your snot off your mask, right? You're yes. not doing any of those things. You're asymptomatic, You're right? just breathing. You're just like breathing. a normal human yes. being. You're just breathing. That's the key phrase right there, right? Not snot coming out of your nose. You're not taking your mask off to sneeze like the President of the United States has done on camera more than once. You're not doing any of that. You're asymptomatic. You're healthy. As Todd just said, you're just breathing. And you've been just breathing in that mask for six months. Half the spread, Anthony Fauci says, is asymptomatic. That's a lie. But we'll go with it. We'll go with it. We'll just go with it for the point I'm about to make. Because he's lying to you either way. Okay? If 50% of cases are asymptomatic and they've been wearing masks in Michigan for six months and Michigan sits here today on April the 12th, the worst state in the country for COVID with no close second, then the masks are even worse than we thought. They work even less than we've been telling you. Because with half the cases asymptomatic spread, six months of masking... They couldn't even stop the current surge in the state of Michigan, the current surge in cases and hospitalizations with all those asymptomatic who spread half of the cases all masked up for six months. It still didn't work. So which lie, Dr. Fauci, which lie do you prefer? Because you're lying. They're both lies. Which lie would you prefer to stick with here this day? And then you can try the new one tomorrow. But that's a lie. They're both lies, actually. But at the very least, at least one of them's a lie. Either the 50% of cases are asymptomatically spread as a lie, or the idea that masks are going to save us 
is even more of a lie than we thought if they can't even stop the asymptomatic who are simply breathing from turning Michigan into the capital of COVID stand. With six months of a head start. Six months. They're both lies. Notice that he said there was no data that showed masks work. Haven't we been telling you that all along? We've been telling you all along that prior to this puppy, no data showed masks stop the spread of respiratory viruses. That's why you haven't been wearing them every flu season. And guess what? There still is no data that shows they work. All the real-time data shows they don't. I direct you again to Michigan. The studies they quote to you are bunk because not a one of them has a control group. So they're not real studies. They're means to an end. They're self-fulfilling prophecies. They're bunk. Masks don't work. They don't work. And for a final piece of evidence, I'll present you something Aaron didn't even include in his montage. Over the weekend, our friends at the IHME model. Remember them. Remember them. Good times. Those were some good times. Yes, they're back. Yes. I don't know what happened. Debbie Burks kicked over some damn rock there in Seattle. And out from the puss-infested underside of this rock came the IHME modelers once more. All right? The shadow people. And they're here to tell you that if 95% of you wear masks between now and August, you're going to save, get this, 14,000 lives. If 95% of 330 million people wear masks between now and August, you're going to save 14,000 lives. You know what they also say while saying that? Thousands were still going to die. And yes. they said it was going to yes. happen no matter what. Yes. What a, what a brilliant statement of mask efficacy. How many lives would, I, would ivermectin save? How many lies did your lies, how many lives did your lies about hydroxychloroquine cost us? How many lives would, here's vitamin D, vitamin C, and an exercise regimen. How many lives, would think that might save more than 14,000 lives? How many lives would, you know, um, instead of trying to lock down all these healthy people, let's put all our effort on the most vulnerable. 80% of hospitalizations, morbidly obese. 95% of all deaths, people 50 or over. Almost half of all deaths in America's long-term care facilities. Putting our emphasis on those three things. How many lives would that have saved? But no, no, we don't ever address any of those things. We criminalized hydroxychloroquine and everybody that did that ought to be hung, Nuremberg style. We're now trying to criminalize ivermectin, which apparently the data shows is even more, more obviously promising. Heaven forbid, let's exercise, let's work out, let's eat healthier, let's give people vitamin D, vitamin C. We didn't do any of those things. We didn't protect the, how many, think we might have saved more than 14,000 lives if we had done all those things and defended and protected the elderly instead of whatever the hell this psyop has been for the last year. Yes, but none of that matters because this obviously 
has not been about saving lives from the very beginning because as we speak in the Caribbean, if you have not worshipped Baal, they are literally going to sacrifice you to the volcano. (laughs) That's actually happening. Yes. And just so you know, in case this is out of context, no, my wife and I looked at like three or four different stories. It's even worse than that. Some centers that they've set up in those islands or on that island, some uh, centers for people to come shelter you can't get into those unless you've had a vaccine. Spirit of the age, And man. no one could buy or sell. Nope. Unless they had the mark. What's going on in New Zealand right now? All right. Now, these the, the vaccine passport and all this stuff, I don't believe is the mark. It's conditioning for you to ultimately take one, though. The idea of a two-tiered society. You know, um, we get mocked when we used to point out those ethics tests in universities. Ten people are on a boat. It will sink, though, because unless you get rid of eight of the people. Here are the biographies of the eight of, of the of all ten people. Everyone in the class choose which of the eight to throw overboard, right? Right? And people thought, hey, that's just ridiculous. They're literally doing that right now. It's the dark night, man. They're literally doing that right now with that volcano. They're literally saying, if you haven't been vaccinated, you can die. The Aztecs called and said, I don't know. That's kind of a tough look. This is... I think we need to consider one of two possibilities that you're either witnessing the end of Western civilization or you're watching history come to a culmination. It's one of the two, but I I don't believe this is a minor footnote or a page in an encyclopedia for us to read hundreds of years from now. More in a moment. All right, back here, and we're joined by our good friend, Bob Vanderplas from The Family Leader. Happy Monday to you, Bob. Yeah, happy Monday to you. Things Co- are good. Uh, a couple of issues that came up in Aaron's montage we didn't have time to get to during the opening segment of the show. So I, I set them aside for us to discuss with you, because they're, they're really in your wheelhouse anyway. Good. Okay. I want to I start with the Supreme Court opinion over the weekend on uh, w- the ban on private worship in your home in California. All right. I haven't heard about this, so you haven't clue, heard? clue me in. Okay. So essentially, California said that you couldn't have a home church, basically. Anybody outside of your own family could not come in and worship. They challenged this in the courts. Supreme Court ruled uh, it was either late Friday night, early Saturday morning, sometime over the weekend. Five to four vote. John Roberts voting against, by the way. Five to four vote that. Uh, bans on religious gatherings in your home are unconstitutional. Oh my goodness. And of course, this was held up as a great win uh, for religious liberty. It is? No. Uh, brother, it, 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 one vote yeah. on whether you can worship in your home or not. That's, that, that's our wins now. Our wins are one solitary vote on the Supreme Court. That you can worship in your home. Those are the, those are the great wins we have now. I remember when there was a Second Amendment case in front of the Supreme Court, and it was a five-four vote. That was that DC you could keep versus your guns. Heller. Yeah, yeah. And like you're one vote away from having your guns taken away. You mean we're one vote away of saying we can have a worship service inside our home? We can praise and worship our home outside of our family. 
you know, what, what does religious liberty come to? That is absolutely ridiculous. That's a scary, scary message to all of America when they can control you to the point of when and when you cannot worship, especially when it comes to your private property, John Locke. I think it also shows, and I was in this camp, and this assessment, this opinion clearly shows, those of us that were in this camp, we were wrong. There was a notion that, and maybe in hindsight now, it was a projection or a hoped-for notion that John Roberts had moved left in recent years because of his um, disdain for Donald Trump. Hmm. His personal disdain for Donald Trump, that he's made that known. Um, some of us in the commentating business maybe had this perspective. I was one of them. Um, even people in the political class who know John Roberts and have known him uh, for years. I think, uh, you know, Ted Cruz and John Roberts have known each other for a long time. They were pallbearers at a funeral together once. Mm-hmm. Uh, Senator Cruz had this position of Roberts that this was really reflective of his personal disdain for Donald Trump more so than his personal views. Well, we don't have a Donald Trump anymore. Orange man is no longer bad. And here's John Roberts, the chief justice of the Supreme Court, still deciding. Now, the vote, I guess, luckily went against him. But still deciding over the weekend that, no, you can't even hold worship in your home if the government tells you that you're, you're not permitted to. Well, it's sad, but it's also revealing. And it should be kind of a duh to your listeners and us here is that when you have the kind of power that we give a Supreme Court today, it corrupts. And you just want more power. You want to be the one in charge. Mm-hmm. And so I take a look at John Roberts. There might have been a point in time where, hey, that was a good pick. That would have been a good justice. He has proven over the years and steadily over the years that that is not a good pick. And today, that's a real threat to our religious liberty. And that, to me, is a concern of lifetime appointments to be in the Supreme Court justice position. Like, I've got the power. And by the way, all of America's eyes are now turned to who? To the judges. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a sad day in America, and we've talked about this before, that we know these justices' names. I mean, they should be so irrelevant, so out of the context, that's like, you know, it really doesn't matter. Today, it's a big deal. In every presidential campaign, who gets to appoint the Supreme Court judges? We're giving the courts too much control. I would actually love it. See, I I think this whole committee on expanding the Supreme Court that Biden has appointed. It's just a total distraction, virtue signal. They're not going to do any of those things. Mm-hmm. I would love it if they did. I would absolutely love it if they, you know what? I prefer that it was our side of the argument that would have discredited the hegemony of the almighty Supreme Court many, many years ago. People like you and I have made those arguments, mm-hmm. uh, both in our own states and around the country for many for going on more than a decade now. So I, I prefer that it was one of us that did it, one of us that told like the president... Looked like he was going to tell them to do that on the census question a couple of years ago and then uh, punked out at the end. Um, But at this point, you know what? I'm not going to lift any gift horse in the mouth. If it's the left that wants to, if the spirit of the age wants to set the precedent that we're not ruled by a tribunal of unelected judges and they can just be discredited on a whim by the people we actually vote for. I'm totally fine with setting that precedent. Yeah, Give the power back to the people Mm -hmm. through their elected representatives. And and we've made this argument time and time again, but maybe this is a good time for our listeners, your listeners, to get back to what is the Constitution? Where do they give the power and where don't they Mm -hmm. give the power? 
And why is it ridiculous that we have this much emphasis on the Supreme Court today? I saw a Spirit of the Age commentator over the weekend say, "What would so what happens if Gavin Newsom in California just ignores this? Was Joe Biden going to send in the National Guard? And I thought to myself, you know, I've heard somebody that I, I like quite a bit, you know, might be even one of my favorite people. I've heard make these kinds of arguments before. What would happen if we just ignored Supreme Court opinion? What would they do? Would would they call the sergeant of arms and have us arrested? What is what power and will and force? To, oh yeah, me. Yeah. I've made those arguments for years. Okay, and again, I hope they do it. I would love it if California said, you know what? Screw you, Supreme Court. We're not doing that. I would love if, now that's a precedent that I could get behind because we're then going to take this to every single one of these red states and we're going to say, why are you imposing whatever ridiculousness comes from, because this was Christy Nome's argument a couple of years ago, a couple of weeks ago, right? You bet. On the, on the, on the, on the trainees in sports. Well, the court, if we do this, the courts will overrule us. So you're really saying that the whatever court, the courts say, we no bow matter, down. you will bow down and impose it on the people that elected you yeah. to protect their constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic. So I would love it if Gavin Newsom told the Supreme Court to take a hike. It's a precedent that's long overdue as far as I'm concerned. And when I take a look at what's happening in our culture today, all the way from uh, boys participating in girls sports to to you name it, uh, the things that you just mentioned, it's high time we have a debate on separation of powers mm-hmm. at the national level. Mm-hmm. And those who are running for president, we can force that debate. We want to know your view on separation of powers and what powers does the court have and what powers do does a court not Again, have. Again, I would prefer the side that, that at least pays lip service to things like the separation of powers and conserving our constitution. Sure. I'd have preferred that it was us that had been, that would have questioned and challenged this a long, long time ago. But in the end... Again, I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. If the spirit of the age wants to do it, um, you know what? This is one area where we agree. By all means, challenge and question the premise that the courts and the judges, the unelected ones, are ultimately supreme. You know, let's have that conversation. But I do think, going back to your initial question about that one vote difference on religious liberty, can you worship in your home? What freedom do you hold on to so dear is, is your private property, is your gun rights, is it how you educate your children? What is it that you'd say, that's a bridge too far? That's what the power is you're given to this mm-hmm. court if you allow this to take place. All right, something else I want to talk to you about that showed up in Aaron's montage. It's what's going on with Grace Life Church in Calgary, Alberta. All right, this is the pastor who they put in jail for holding church services. Uh, and, and when the go- Canadian government tried to shut down all the churches, he held services anyway. They put him in jail. They eventually let him out. Very next Sunday, he goes and holds a church service. Uh, and now the government there in Alberta, they've uh, they've erected like a fence. So, so should I, shall I say they've they built a border fence? They 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 built a wall. <laughs> Because they work. Apparently, walls yeah, work. But... I guess, um, in the in the eye of the wielder, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But um, they to keep the congregates from having another service. There were protests there yesterday. Now the church says a lot of people that showed up for the protest actually aren't even members; just mm-hmm. people offended at what's going on. And I I made a point about this on my uh, my Twitter account last night that I I want to get your take on. I, I think we need to understand that. This isn't about COVID. This is about how the spirit of the age wants wants to treat the church and has always wanted to treat it. COVID is just the circumstances that permits it. You know, like a Caesar who once started his own city on fire and then 
um, use that as the occasion to begin a persecution of the church, which he didn't really have the the justification for prior, but he can use this now, right? Mm-hmm. That that it's not as if there's a reason why every fascist, every Marxist, every totalitarian regime, every form of totalitarianism that's existed on this earth in the last two thousand years, the one of the first things it does. If it's not disarming its citizens, it's shutting down the church and or taking the word of God out of people's hands. Mm. There's a reason why, because they don't want anybody to assert that there's a ta- there's a there's a power greater than them, great, more powerful than the state. And this is not just overarching, overreaching covid concerns from a bureaucracy. This is exactly how totalitarians always want to treat the church. This is how the spirit of the age wants to deal with the church. And if given the power, what's, what's, how many steps is it from you can't worship in your home to we built a wall around your church? I'm thinking like one. If, if that. If that. Okay. Maybe like the next step. Okay. The next goose step, the first goose step, you couldn't, uh, you couldn't uh, worship in your home. And then the next one, as I finish, um, you know, my steps is uh, we build a wall around your church. So you can't go in the building at all. This is what they, this is how they really think about you. This is how they really think about us. And if given the power, this is exactly what they will do. It reminds me of don't let a good crisis go to waste. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't let a good virus go to waste. Uh, because I think you're right, Stephen. I, I've argued this with socialism a lot because it seems that's what's being taught in our schools. The ultimate objective of socialism is government is God. And so there, so therefore, if you're teaching that marriage is between a male and a female, one male, one female, that goes contrary to what government says. Government's God, you're not God. If it's about boys are boys and girls are girls, whatever it might be, again, Government is God. You're not, so we need to quelch us. It's been Satan's objective the whole time. Quelch God's word. Quelch God, the teaching of God's word. And so we shouldn't be surprised by this, but it should inspire us more than ever to be salt and light in our communities and make sure that the word of God does go forth and we're not ignorant of these stances. I had somebody in my office uh, just recently, last week, and was telling me how threatening the Equality Act is to our way of life. But I knew that this individual who represented an institution, they didn't take a solid stand on marriage. I said, yeah, the Equality Act, I get that. I said, but the reason we need to take a stand on marriage is because you start unraveling God's word, where does it stop? Mm-hmm. You know, if, if marriage is no longer between a male and a female, pretty soon you extrapolate it. Pretty soon we don't even know what There's a male, no male and a female, female are. That's right. And that's why you have school boards now wrestling with the idea of we have a boy who believes he's a girl who's now in girls golf and everybody in the community is kind of looking away like, well, it's only golf, right? So don't, let's don't make a big stink about it. And I told this board member on the way in the office this morning, you need to make a stink about this. This is precedent setting. And what are you doing with a school district that's saying, you know, we're allowing a boy to say he's a girl so that he can participate in a girl's athletic event. I mean, this is the whole unraveling that we see. So we should not be surprised whether it be, uh, can you worship or can't worship in your home? Or do we put a fence around the church so you can't get in? 
I got about two minutes here. We're going to discuss this amongst ourselves in the overtime later today, but I want to get your take on this as a preview. We've talked a lot over the years in political conservative political circles about Catholic politicians who run afoul of church teaching when they get mm-hmm. elected and should they be denied communion, which in Catholicism puts you outside of God, the covering of your sin sure. for your, or covering for your sin outside of the grace of the church, outside of the grace of God. On the, on the Protestant side, on the evangelical side, is it time to go to pastors like whoever Asa Hutchinson's pastor is? And say, hey, if Paul was pastor in your church, and the most highly visible member of his church was in the largest platforms in the community saying what this guy is saying about fundamental truths of God's creation, would Paul not, would he be a good member of good standing? And 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 St. Paul's Church, if he were pastoring that church, is it time to have some questions and conversations about pastoral accountability here on the Protestant side of the street where this is concerned? Well, without question, matter of fact, when you bring this up, I think of our church ambassador network uh, with the family leader, which has now been extended to 11 other states. Mm-hmm. The whole idea there is to get the church that still believes in the word of God and still believes that Jesus is the way, not a way, which sadly disqualifies a lot of churches. But we still have 2,100 churches in Iowa that are part of our network who believe in that. And the idea is to re-engage them about the institution of God's church, big C, and the institution of God's government, and that there's a role for the church to play. And we tell them, think Nathan to David. Nathan and David had a relationship. So if you think Asa Hutchison and pastor whoever in Arkansas, Mm -hmm. there should be a pastor in Arkansas that's got a relationship with Asa and is willing to be the Nathan to the David and say to Asa, uh, you're the man. I mean, you're you're outside of God's word or you're outside of God's parameter. Your job as a shepherd of God's government is not to be woker than the next woke person. And to worry about the Republican Party, about what's your image going to be, what's your view going to be if we can't castrate kids. Are you absolutely kidding me? That's where a shepherd of God's church needs to insert themselves with a relationship built already with Asa. So Asa can receive it. The reason David could receive Nathan's admonishment, there's a relationship established already. Hmm. And that's what we're doing. And I think it's high time that pastors all across this country engage with their state representatives, their state senators, their U.S. Congress people, their governors, and develop that relationship so that they can bring the truth of God's word to be applied to the culture of God's government. And I understand this can be a, another slippery slope, right? The last thing we need are more unelected bureaucrats, right? Sure. <clears throat> but there but there are certain, as, as a famous publication calls them, first things. There are certain first things that are non-negotiable, Right. right that are pretty obvious. This would be one of them, right? He created them, male and female in his image. He created them. It's in the very first book of the whole book. So this would seem to be one that if there was ever a time for someone to come forward and say, thou art the man, this would seem to be one of those times. And then when they say, well, Jesus never talked about, well, go into Matthew where Jesus says, uh, have you not heard? heard? Yep. Great stuff, Bob. We'll talk to you next week. God bless you, man. You bet. We'll come back. Ask me anything coming your way next. Stay tuned. With Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre and Todd Erzin. And then all of you, let us know what you think 
about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show or over on Parlor, MeWe, and Gab, which we're going to hear more from Gab here in just a few minutes with our Ask Me Anything on our Monday Town Hall. Just look for Steve Dace there. If you like censored clips of the show, go to YouTube.com slash Steve Dace because that's what they do there. They censor us. Or you can go to Rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show or you can just subscribe. Get a discounted subscription right now at blazetv.com slash dace. Never have to worry about censorship. Get to either watch it live or when it's convenient for you and get special bonus exclusives as well, like the overtime that we do after each broadcast as well. Go to blazetv.com slash dace to become that subscriber with the discount. And then finally, if you are a podcast listener, we thank all of you. We love you guys. Please show your love for us. Hit that subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review, particularly if you listen via iTunes. But whether it's Spotify, Amazon, did you guys hear the story over the weekend? Spotify quietly went in and removed 42 episodes of uh, Joe Rogan's podcast. Did you guys see that I story? I did see that, yes. Yeah. I did not see that. That is not an insignificant amount, by the way. 42 that they found problematic. Number one show in the country right now is Joe Rogan's. Would they pay like $100 million yeah. for it? <laughs> did they not do their diligence of what they were getting with what him, apparently? Okay. So, 42 episodes. So, whichever podcast platform, it's just iTunes is the main one, so we want to highlight it, but whichever podcast platform you use to listen to us, please give us a five-star review if you like the show, and thank you to the thousands of you that have done those two things for us already, and thanks to the tens of thousands of you that have purchased at least one copy of Fauci and Bargain Number one overall bestseller at Amazon, number one on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list, number four on the USA Today bestseller list. And now we can tell you if you've been holding out, and we don't blame you for not wanting to enrich Amazon's uh, oligarchs uh, anymore, you can also now get Fauci and Bargain over at barnesandnoble.com too. All right, so barnesandnoble.com, just search for Fauci and Bargain, the most powerful and dangerous bureaucrat in American history. You can get it at Amazon, or I'm sorry, at barnesandnoble.com if you don't want to give any more money of yours to Amazon. Let's get to our Monday Town Hall, brought to you by Rough Greens. You know, we've been talking about them for quite a while now. It's this powder that you sprinkle over your dog's food. It's so simple. Uh, In fact, uh, I noticed yesterday morning when we get back from church that whoever fed fed our dog Cap didn't put uh, the Rough Greens in, and so the food was just sitting there. I mixed in the Rough Greens, man. That food was gone in five minutes. Cap loves this stuff, but maybe you don't know that your pet will, Right? Can't blame you for that. What happens when you take all those vitamins, minerals, nutrients, antioxidants, omega oils, etc. that are stripped out of your pet's food for mass consumption, long shelf life? What happens when you put them back in via the Rough Greens supplement powder? Maybe your pet won't like it. Now, ours does, but here's a good way to find out if yours will too. Um, We're going to give you a bag of Rough Greens for free. That that 14-day jumpstart bag we've been telling you about, we'll now give it to you for free. All you do is pay for the shipping. Find out for free, free bag right now at roughgreens.com, R-U-F-F, roughgreens.com. See if your dog takes a liking to it. Just pay for the shipping, but the bag is free at roughgreens.com, 833-ROUGH-DOG. 
That's again, R-U-F-F, 833-ROUGH-DOG if you want to give them a call. Get the Jumpstart 14-day Jumpstart bag for free. You just pay for the shipping at roughgreens.com. All right, let's get to it. Our Money Town Hall, our weekly Ask Me Anything. Our new followers over at Gab, they got to take center stage. And they're the sm- by far the smallest social media following because it's the newest platform we've joined. But I'm sure, Todd, you were able to find some provocative questions to ambush me with for this hour. Nevertheless. Yes, uh, quantity was low, but quality high. Good, good. So let's get to it. Aaron, fire when ready. We'll start with Steve Johnson, who asks, aside from your own, which show on Blaze TV is your favorite, or which one do you get the chance to watch the most? I can't believe I've not been asked this, actually, before. Um, You've been on more than half of them, haven't you? I've been on, well, let me see. I've been on Allie's. I've been on Glenn's. I've been on the news and why it matters with Sarah. I've been on with Stu. Have you been on with Prather? I've you, not been on with Prather. You had him on. The he's show been on. We here, he's there, been on. Yeah. yeah, he's been on with us. I don't think I, I. I can't remember if we've ever been on with Pat Gray or not. He does the morning show before Glenn. You've been on with Ruben, at least together on the together, set. Yeah, we, I've not been on his show. He's yeah. actually been on yes, our show correct. too. Uh, have not well Levin show is you know just him um, who am I forgetting does Daniel's podcast count yeah 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 yeah. Crowder I've not been on with him although I've got to say next to it's him or Glenn are one and two and who's referred the most we've gotten the most mm-hmm. referrals from uh, on our show how many people either have heard us on Glenn or subscribed to get Crowder and then found out about us i mean so those two guys i'd offer them like a residual for how our own show but they're already both making substantially more money than me so i'll just keep it myself but just give them a thank you <laughs> instead um you know what? I'm going to go off the grid. I don't have a chance, by the way, to, to watch or listen to almost any of the other shows. Between the amount of time I put into this show and then I have to have some downtime, Steve. I have to have, obviously, a good deal of family time that um, if I the one I consume the most is Daniel's podcast. Because I'll often listen to that when I get back from the gym. I'm in the shower getting ready to come in here. Because he's almost like my pump-up music. Because I know he's going to be angrier, ornerier than me. And so he kind of gets my mind ready to come in here and, you know, go to battle. But if I could pick one show, I think I'd pick the news and why it matters. And here's why. Um, because you get a chance to have... It's the one platform where we all appear together. And frankly, I think we should do more of that here, around here. It, that, that I think there should be more, um, particularly, I mean, we've, we've grown to at least being the second largest platform in conservative media behind Fox and its various entities. And one of the things that Fox does very well is in a more of a network setting, their talent uh, mingling. And, and I think people would appreciate if we did that more often here. And the one show where that occurs every day is on the news and why it matters. It's I've had a chance to sit down and do panels with a, with a wide variety of people. 
from Eric July to Glenn Beck, and you mentioned Dave Rubin and others. And uh, I, I enjoy that. I know this may sound weird. I actually miss doing all the panels on MSNBC and CNN I used to do, even when I was outnumbered. Because I, I enjoy the back and forth in, on, in the arena of ideas. Their panels don't do that anymore. Their, their panels now just do spirit of the age kvetching. And so I'm going to go with the news and why it matters. I think Sarah does a great job also kind of anchoring the show enough and then kind of getting out of the way and letting, you know, that, which is a tough thing to do when you, when, where do you push the conversation and then when do you get out of the way and let the panelists go at it? But I like the exchange of ideas. So I, I would probably choose that show. Alrighty, next up we have Gulag Gang 90 who asks greetings from across the pond. If you could flick a switch and immediately swap Biden for Boris, would you? No. No, I would not. Um The word I want to use for Boris Johnson, which I think is applicable, I don't think I'm allowed to use that word anymore. You guys know what word I'm talking about, right? We've talked about it yeah. privately. I don't think we're allowed to use that word in like any context any longer. But um, no, I, um, on the COVID front, and it's because of COVID. If if we if if, if COVID wasn't the issue, and we were talking about like Brexit, well, then it's a no brainer, right? But what we've learned already this year is it's much easier, I didn't say simpler, but easier, to expose Fauci, to expose, our CDC was giving out bad data and was doing political science last year under Robert Redfield, it was a joke. It's just so much easier for people like us to go at it and expose it and isolate it and destroy it when it comes from the people wearing the other side's uniform than when it comes from our own. Yeah, you know, I remember the days last spring after uh, the Trump White House's coronavirus task force provided a, you know, a, a reopening plan. And even though I, I've, there's a lot of people I knew that worked in that White House, I didn't spend the years that they went there pestering them all the time because I didn't want to violate boundaries of relationships. That's more important to me than getting access on this particular thing. So I think the only time I pestered Kellyanne Conway the four years that she was in the White House was I sent her a personal note after their reopening plan. I just thought, you guys, that was masterful. I thought you guys did a great job with that. I think you really encouraged the country. It was well done. What happened the next two days after that? Darkness. Yes. They, Hello, darkness, my old friend. Yes. For the next two days, Trump went up there and railed against Brian Kemp for reopening his uh, state too fast. I, working in conservative media, man, it's hard to know what to do with that. You know? Um, so I don't try. Like, I, I, used to, I used to early on wonder, man, how much of this can, you know, my audience take before they get mad at me for stepping on their guy? And then I realized, I don't care. So I'm just going to say what I think. And then if you like it and enough people like it, I get to continue to do it. And if enough people don't, I don't. That seems like a fair transaction and I'm totally okay with it, mm -hmm. right? Okay. So, but it can be hard beyond the the business aspect of it. How about we're just trying to advance our own narrative and the people wearing your uniform are shin kinking you all the time, right? 
just kicking you in the shins constantly. What do you, that, you know, one step forward, two steps back, or two steps forward, one step back, driving with the brake and the gas on, as I used to describe it, right? That can be hard to do. We have been far more on offense on the COVID front since Biden took over than we have been in the last year. Because from, because the lines are very stark and decided now. And Anthony Fauci has also decided without Trump around that he can just let his freak flag fly and tell you how much he hates Trump and that I'm really a lefty, right? Which makes it simpler too to isolate the opposition when it's when it's your own guy who's just lost his damn mind. Like I'm I I don't believe in long COVID and then I hear Boris Johnson talk cuz he got it early on I'm like, "Hey, maybe it maybe that is a thing." All right? He's lost his mind. He's lost his mind. I mean, there's an entire department of Oxford University, the Center for Evidence-Based Medicine, that he's just decided to ignore. And the lefties at Oxford are like, what are you doing to our country? While he's out there saying, well, you know, maybe we should be locked down forever. Uh, That's a hard argument to make when it's coming from the guy wearing your, your, your own uniform. I think we've made far greater advances pushing back on lockdowns. In what is, I mean, Biden's been in office, what, three months, right? Just a little over three months? Yeah. We've made far more progress than we did the whole last year. Now, if COVID was off the table, because he's he's worse than Trump, it's worse for us with him in office as opposed to Trump on like everything else, okay? So if COVID wasn't like front and center right now with a gun to all of our heads, this would be a lot easier question to answer, both on both sides of the pond. But with COVID now being the gun that's really pointed at all of our heads, your guys killing us, Smalls, killing us. So I'd much rather have Dementia Joe. I can frame an easier argument off of him than I can when I when I make all the same arguments, but then the guy shows up on the BBC wearing my uniform and kicks me in the shin afterwards. That's hard to recover from, from a narrative standpoint. Did I explain that okay, do you think, or not? What do you No, I yep. I do. I mean, you weren't saying yay anybody, but there's a unique, it's Joe on COVID is Joe on transgenderism. It's the same senile uh, meets progressivism uh, tool, but he's right now, uh, uh, Boris Johnson is like Hawkeye in the first Avengers movie when Loki takes him over. That's a great analogy. He's just lost. He's gone. Yeah. He's scoring on, you know what? I'm going to give you a soccer homage he's scoring own goals right now i mean he's just turning the he's just turning around and kicking it into your net over and over and over and over again he's been doing this for a damned year i'm really proud of you yeah well i i want you to know that i gave you a soccer reference in homage or in reference to who i think is right now the absolute worst leader of the in the free world okay boris johnson all right so you can take that as a compliment if you want. Yeah, I will. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Moving on. Bring Back Parlor asks, will social media be so awful in the 2022 election cycle that they even ban Mike DeWine? Oh, no. If Allah is merciful. No, that, that first, yes. Pray Mike DeWine gets banned. But no, you and I are, I mean, it was funny. I, I saw a post this morning from um, Nate Silver. Yeah. At 538. And I wouldn't say if you've been following Nate's work over the past year, he, he's nothing like us when it comes to COVID, but he's also nothing like, a, basically Nate Silver is 
kind of what you would you would expect somebody who um, ultimately believes is is left is liberal, but also believes in like a lot of the the statist dogmas about vaccines and and you know what I'm saying. I mean, Silver, I would say is a he he is honestly wrong. Meaning he's meaning he's he sincerely buys into their premises and takes them to the to their ultimate conclusion. And then but and, and then he gets disturbed when the people asserting the premises he agrees with won't join him in that. When they try to be duplicitous, you know what I'm saying? Where he's I like, think you're he's saying like, stay home until there's a vaccine. Stay home until there's a, and now that there's vaccines, you're like, why are we staying home? You see that you see, you guys, I agreed with your premise. Now you're telling me you don't? I think you're saying he doesn't have a gaslighting fetish. Yes, that's a great way of putting it. Yes, he's not dishonest. I don't know. He's wrong a yes. lot, but he's not. He's not. He's not trying to gaslight you. He's not a grifter. Okay, and he hasn't been a grifter through this COVID thing. Um, he doesn't start from the same premise that we do, but he's consistent in the assertion of his premise. So there's never going to be like, uh, well. Um, Nate Silver told you to stay home until there was a vaccine. Well, now that there's vaccines, Nate Silver's like, why are we still at home? That kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. He's like, I did what you told me to do and I, it still doesn't work. And now he's looking for who's responsible for this. Okay. And he, he's, he was, he's been posting about how bad our media coverage is on COVID compared to the rest of the world, how negative it is. And he posted this morning that, you know, maybe he's being too hard on his friends in the media because maybe it's just our own health officials and politicians are this negative. And he couldn't believe this interview that Michael Osterholm from the Biden White House gave to some media outlet over the weekend. And he's like, this guy, Osterholm just talked like it's April 12th of last year. Like, we don't know anything. Like, we haven't, like, we don't know, we, we haven't made any advancements. We don't have any science, any data, no vaccines. Okay, like this thing just landed on us, you know, dropped in our laps yesterday. I couldn't believe he said he's like, I couldn't believe how negative this this interview was. I tweeted back to him, Nate. Two weeks ago, the governor of the third largest state in the union, Florida, with the second largest elderly population in the union. Of course, I'm talking about Ron DeSantis. Two weeks ago, he did a roundtable conference with experts from Oxford, the number one rated university on this planet, Harvard, the number one rated university in this country, and Stanford, one of the top five rated universities in this country. It was ignored by the media, and then when YouTube took down their conference, the video of it, for not being negative enough, nobody in the media said anything about it. So is it the healthcare officials or is it the media or is it um, our politicians? Yes. Now, what you are seeing, and we have pointed this out and we have played, Aaron has highlighted several of these clips recently in his montage, including one this morning. More and more you have seen in the last few months, left spirit of the age media is like, okay, man. We were totally fine giving up Hamilton and our favorite Italian restaurant and our sex clubs, all right, for giving those up to get Orange Man Bad out of the White House. But, dude, uh, it's uh, it's springtime for Hitler here, all right, as Mo Brooks once sang. So, what are we doing? I mean, why why right? You're starting to see some cracks in that wall, 
and the little Dutch girl is not going to be able to plug that dike for very much longer. And they know this. You can, you can tell that they know this. Nate's looking at this regarding vaccines. Like you pointed out, a lot of parents were looking at the school, the school map. Yes, yes, that's a great point again. You're right. The, Nate's deliverance has arrived. And again, depending on where you look, there is promising data about the vaccines. There's alarming incident escalation. And then there's promising data. Essentially, what you're watching is a human trial take place. I mean, it's, it's happening right now in real time. You're the guinea pigs. That'll preach on multiple levels, yes. brother. Yeah, but that's that's what. And so you're getting uh, you're you're getting promising data, but you're getting some uh, side effect issues alongside of that. I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen on Twitter, just the list of women, postmenopausal women, or women who just finished their periods, that have been tweeting back at Naomi Wolf this morning about how they started spotting again or menstruating again, even being postmenopausal after getting vaccinated or one of the shots. And she has just all morning long just been retweeting the amount of women that are tweeting this back to her. Okay. Now what's, you know, she's an ardent left-wing feminist. What's her issue here? One, she actually believes in some form of liberty. That's number one. She's articulated that, but there's something personal. So it's not just philosophical for her. All right. She probably would. And if she were here, she would probably call herself a left, left leaning libertarian. She, that's probably how she would describe herself. But there's another, ang- another angle to this. She has spina bifida. So the idea of that's a neurological disease. So the idea of, hey, here's your uh, forced vaccination with an untested product that didn't go through several years of FDA uh, rigmarole and, and, and testing. So you take it or you can't be a member of society and risk your neurological disorder, that kind of hits home real quick, right? Right? Yeah. yeah. So you're actually, so that, that the reason why there are so many claims and counterclaims when you go, th- when you, when you get into the vaccine data is because in, this is my opinion, it's the human trial is happening now in real time. We have control groups now of millions of people who have not gotten it the vaccine so we have a real control group we're outside of the confines of your human trials there's not a specific group like they didn't test pregnant women during the human trials they're not denying pregnant women the vaccine now and in real time and so we're, we're expanding the groups of people that are that are given access to this and now we have a control group at the exact same time so the human trial is happening right now you're just you're the human trial you are if you're getting it you're the guinea pig and and for a lot of people, the results have been good. For some people, not so good. And and the not so good, when the not so good can be, you know, has been at times bad, okay? Not like pain, discomfort in the arm, but bad stuff. So we're just watching this play itself out right now in real time. You have any thoughts on that? Well, I, I love that you took the opportunity to uh, talk about Mike DeWine crushed it buried it burnt it and just moved on to talk about whatever you wanted to basically with that yes. question because but here's why this all ties it together does. it does. because if you question any of this they want to censor you let me, let me give you and that 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 goes back to the original question of big tech censorship let me give you three steps to improving the vaccination rate in the u.s all right number one focus on vulnerable demographics the elderly, 
for example. And let's let that play itself out in real time. That's why that's why we had both Alex Berenson, who's taken a big picture view of this and looking at data all over the world. And then our, so we had one of our buddies on with a skeptical view. We had another one of our buddies on, Kyle Lamb. Now, Kyle and Alex were singing from the same hymnal sheet on the lockdown stuff, right? Yeah. But now he's part of the vaccination effort in Florida. He sees their micro numbers. Their hosp- What did he tell us? Hospital- their hospitalizations have plunged among the elderly. 18%, I think is what he said, since they began their vaccination effort down there. So we, we, we're not, my name's not Google. I think you're, you, you're big boys and girls. And you can totally figure out and watch for yourself when you hear Alex's big picture skeptical view and Kyle's more optimistic, specified point of view. And we can do this over and over again as we go through this real-time human trial, because that is what we're doing, is a real-time human trial. It's what's going on right now, okay? And, and we can have an open, honest conversation about whether the efficacy is worth the risk of injecting it or not. And then a, non, a no-go for us is the idea of forcing it on people. That's just a, that's a, that's a no-go. We're not talking, I'm not saying, by the way, there's never a time. Now, you would disagree with me on this. I would not say there's never a time for a forced vaccination, okay? If we were in a Walking Dead uh, episode, all right, where there, I see the zombies outside my window, okay? Um, if, if we're dealing, where I'm watching people drop like flies because Ebola got out, I might, I might be willing at that point to say, there are times where survival matters more than your thoughts on the 14th Amendment. Actually, I this agree is with not that. one of those times. I actually agree with that. And by the way, that doesn't in a first world society, when you have hygiene, diet, sanitation, that doesn't apply to a single thing we currently are vaccinated. For. Amen. You and I agree on that then, too. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that doesn't apply to a, a, a virus with a point zero one seven IFR. That doesn't apply. OK, so um. What are we doing here? Then the, all the reasons why we would force this on people are all bad. So that ought to be a red line for everybody, regardless of what's your position on. Do you want to take it or not? But number one, focus on the most vulnerable. If we're going to do a real time human trial, then I'd actually like to see what it does in real time for the people that are most vulnerable to the virus. Number one, second, and, 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 and as part B of that, as I've said before, if it does work as well as the manufacturers claim, then get the hell out of the way and let the people that are the most vulnerable get it first. Why are 35 year old clerks at blue cross blue shield getting vaccinated? Why are 28 year old bartenders getting vaccinated? Why? Let the elderly get vaccinated first. That's number one. Focus your efforts on the most vulnerable and then let us see the results of that ourselves. Number two, get rid of all the censorship. Stop putting out the same people that lied to us about lockdowns and masks in the last year. Uh, get new new proxies, new spokespeople, and the censorship of, 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 of skepticism. All through history, I cannot think of one time, I can't think of a single time in all through history that the side that was, that was squashing skepticism was ended up being on the right side of the argument. Can you think of a time? I cannot think of one. No. No. Certainly not in any kind of free society anyway. All right? So, um, no. Get rid of that. All right? That just makes people even more suspicious. And then thirdly, why would I get vaccinated if I can't fully return to normal life? Now, I don't mean this, I think you ought to be able, unless you're in a vulnerable population or symptomatic, you ought to return to normal life now, like fully, period. But 
what kind of messaging Aaron had it in his montage today. Fauci's like, I'm fully vaccinated. I, I still won't get together with people unless they're masked. The masks don't work. But you're fully vaccinated and you're going to catch it from them unless they're wearing a cloth. For, let's forget we don't know anything. Let's, let's say we don't know any data that masks are talismans and don't work, right? Straight up, just straight up science. You're fully vaccinated. And you're concerned that you might get an aerosol spread virus from people wearing that will infect you from people wearing a cloth mask. Unless they wear a cloth mask, you're gonna you're you're susceptible being vaccinated to an aerosol spread virus from are other vaccinated freaking, people. Yeah, yeah, is what he's yeah, saying. Yeah, are you freaking kidding me with that? Then by that by that they should have never let me go to Haiti or anyone else ever for a mission missionary trip or any other third world country no matter when how many vaccines or boosters i got because i got them all they should have never let me back in the country then ever with that kind of if that's his logic yes that show us you actually believe in the efficacy of your own vaccines for goodness sakes now that's not meant to argue for a two-tiered system of vaccinated and unvaccinated i'm merely talking about the messaging of their own narrative telling people to take an experimental substance but then still not return to normal life That's terrible marketing. Boy, howdy, there are a million reasons to be stressed out these days. But you know what? Stressing out about male pattern baldness and receding hairlines doesn't have to be one of them anymore. Thanks to our good friends at Keeps. They've got the same doctor recommended FDA approved hair loss treatment, but they offer the generic versions. So you're going to pay only about half the cost. Big savings going with Keeps. But then also, how about all that convenience? It's all done online. Just answer a few easy questions, snap a few pics of your hair. And from there, a licensed doctor will review your info and recommend the right hair loss treatment for you, and it will be shipped directly to your door. So the generic versions save you big money. Uh, The convenience saves you big time. How about even more savings to get you started, though? 50% off your first order when you go to Keeps, K-E-E-P-S, Keeps.com slash grow. Again, 50% off your first order when you go to Keeps.com slash grow one more time keeps.com slash grow let's continue on with our monday town hall thank you to all of our followers at gab that submitted questions that todd has suggested aaron what's the next one this one is boda sita who says who are the top five most beneficent thinkers in history not necessarily most influential though hmm well Um. Doesn't. I does beneficent. Uh, read it this. It, but like it's act. What, no matter how good the idea was, it actually won in that it advanced something. That's right, what. Right. I, right. Um, the reason I'm pausing is because I think number one is obvious, but I don't know if it applies. Because I don't want to practice a form of philosophical reductionism. But I mean, isn't isn't Christ number one? Not sure. I mean, it just depends on whether you want okay. to like say the obvious, like or like my the, uh, to me asked and answered. Yeah, your, to me, your top five would be Christ, uh, Paul, and Moses, because they're the three primary authors of 
the most uh, beneficent work of all time, right? I mm-hmm. mean, so those would be my my top three. Um, is Muhammad on the list? See, that's I don't think he would. I think he would say he's influential, but because he preached a false gospel, wouldn't it be beneficent? But about one third of the world would put him number one on the list. And that has had an impact on, okay, so you want to say, you want to define that as a good thing. You're right. You're right about that. Okay. So to me, Christ is one. Paul is two. Moses is third. Um, you could put Augustine. Yeah, I could put Augustine on that list. And can I think of somebody contemporary? Just because, I mean, we could put Plato, Aristotle, Socrates. Um, I mean, you could put ancient thinkers, several ancient thinkers. I just named several that could go on the list. Um, but could we give a spot, you know, like when they went to the pro players in the Olympics for basketball, they left a spot or two for collegians, right? So Christian Leitner got to play with the first dream yeah. team, okay? So I, I gave you who I would put as the first three. I'm fine with Augustine being four because I would argue next to Paul, um, he is the most influential thinker in the history of the church in the, if the second most influential thinker of the church age behind Paul, I would argue, is Augustine. And that a lot of his hermeneutical conclusions about cultural engagement um, are still heated and discussed or debated today. And we're, what, 1,500 years later. Um, so is there somebody contemporary that we could put on that list? Well, is it a founding father? I thought about that. Um, what about what about Socrates or Socrates? Sorry, I mentioned him already. If we went oh. to more of the ancients, because you can make the argument you're not going to have the thinkers like this without. A I could make the argument that you know he's the dawn of critical thinking. Yeah, in, exactly. in, in our tradition, to some extent, yeah, I could make that argument. How about I'm going to say Benjamin Franklin. And the reason I'm going to go with Franklin is because he was, in many respects, the Augustine of the, of, of, of the, among the founding fathers. He was the great, most revered, respected thinker amongst the founders. And there's a lot of historical evidence that his famous call to prayer at the Constitutional Convention is what ultimately saved that from falling apart and bringing together the Union. So... I'll go with Christ, Paul, It's and it's top five, right? Christ, yep. Paul, Moses, Augustine, and Franklin. I'll go with those names. When I saw five, I was like, I don't know, maybe we can get three, but that was, that was more difficult. Uh, Jacob Wilson asks, would the right have more success detaching itself from unrestrained capitalism, economic policy, and refocusing on a platform that encourages family and social cohesion? Yes. Um, but I would take issue with your question. 
I don't believe unrestrained capitalism is the issue. I would actually argue we've not had that in my lifetime. And I don't know when's the last time it actually existed. Coolidge. Um, but in my lifetime, we've had some variation of increasingly increasing devolution to corporatism and a regulatory state on both ends. And of course, the problem when you get to that, and this is where the besmirching of capitalism comes in, when we exalt corporatism, but on one end, when one party exalts corporatism, the Republicans, um, although I think in the, in, the, in the time we're in now and the time to come, increasingly Democrats will because those are their corporations now. But when, when one party is exalting corporatism and then the other party is exalting a regulatory state, and they're switching off so many times in terms of who's in power and who's in control. You know, I've done that whole exercise before about how often power has shifted in our country just in the last 20 years of elections, right? And it, mm -hmm. it'll make your head spin, right? Okay. And so one side's like, all right, get all our... See, Republicans don't advance our stuff with reckless abandon when they get power, but they do advance the corporate agenda when the reckless abandon when they get power. And then the Democrats advance their regulatory, uh, you know, regimen and agenda whenever they get power. And so we've gone back and forth now where we're kind of getting the worst of both worlds. Because when one side asserts corporatism, they're protected. They're, they're vested. They're made men. They're protected in the system. I mean, Greg Abbott's down there a month ago signing legislation that says, um, uh, we're not going to have social media censorship in Texas anymore. Wasn't it just last week he was... Uh, put forth something to bring face more Facebook jobs to the state of Texas or something at the exact same time. Oh, really? Wow. All right. So one the one part. So the, so the corporations win no matter what. Here's why: they win with corporatists advancing and protection rackets from Republicans, but then the regulatory state ain't hitting ain't hitting AT and T guys. The regulatory state's not stopping Directv from owning the satellite dish market. The regulatory states not stopping Blue Cross and United from owning the, the large swaths of the health insurance market. The regulatory state makes it damn near impossible for whatever little regional or community effort that you've ever founded to become the next Blue Cross or United. The regulatory state makes it really difficult for you to get a piece of the action in the satellite dish market. See what I'm trying to say? Yeah. And so they're protected either way. They're the... They're... they're they are given they're they're incentivized when Republicans are in control, and then their opposition is disincentivized when Democrats are in control. Because they're already making so much money anyway now. They're the only people who can afford these regulations and taxes and levies. It's basically now old money versus new money. If you remember that old American an, uh, analogy from a couple of centuries ago. And and now that gets categorized as unrestrained capitalism. It's not. What the Republican Party really needs to detach itself from, the Republican Party has been detached from capitalism, folks, for a long, damned time. A long time. Certainly has been detached for the tw in the 21st century. What it needs to detach itself from is corporatism. That's why, I, I'm, again, I'm ecstatic to see these corporations on that phone call over the weekend. 
How can we help Democrats win more elections? You know what? By golly, you all can have them all. Let the Democrats have them all, as far as I'm concerned. That, that might be the only way to save the Republican Party is to detach it from corporatism in the end. So I agree with your question. I just would label things a little bit differently. Next, we have Truth Seeker, who has a challenge regarding Ron DeSantis. Okay. DeSantis is a hailed hero for issuing an order that prevents businesses from requiring COVID-19 passports. The order also states that businesses can still institute COVID-19 screening protocols. Isn't he really conning his supporters by allowing screening protocols? Additionally, don't you think the federal government will just withhold funding to Florida to ultimately get their wish? So once again, it's all just a big show to get him in the White House. More controlled opposition? Um, I think on your final point, let me start with that because that's the simplest one. I think that's jumping... I'm not here to say we won't wake up one day and ask ourselves, what the hell happened to Ron DeSantis? Because every I, I've done that show too often with just other names, right? Okay. But I think we're, it's way too early in a process for a guy that's taken on a lot of fights that no one else has taken on, and he's doing it in the most politically divided swing state in the country. I think it's way too early to be besmirching motivations. I'm not saying that time will never arrive. I just, I don't think we're anywhere close to that right now. As to the other part of your your country, your question, though, the, I'm sympathetic to it, but I'm also a business owner. Here's a question. You come in with a fever tomorrow. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Do I have a right to send you home as your employer, do you think? Uh, y- yes. Okay. Yes. I mean, certainly, uh, I'm just outside you're outside of you and me and this particular relationship. Yep. Yep. We're taking it broader. Yep. Assuming all motivations are at face value, yes. Okay. You come back to me the next day and assure me you're feeling better. But we have a pandemic going on. We do have one going on, right? We don't. The book Fauci and Morgan never denies there's a pan, pandemic going on. We just report to you what the actual data is, not what what you're told that it is. So we do have a pandemic going on. Okay. Um, one of the primary symptoms of that pandemic is what? Fever. Fever. You assure me you're not running a temp anymore. So we both agree I have a right to send you home if you are. Do I have a right to verify that you're not when you return? We're getting into grayer area. We are, but I kind of think I do, actually. Okay? Um, Aaron comes in. You, you do have COVID. Give it to him. He goes home, gives it to his wife who's a nurse. Somebody at the hospital she works at gets it. They're able to contact trace it back to Aaron, getting it at my office. Do I get sued? See, I, I, well, a I, lot of people get sued for a lot of illegitimate reasons. Yes. We also have to remember the act, the reality of who, not just people getting this, but what it does to people and not going right. into the scamdemic. Right. But this is, this is why, a, this is why e pluribus unum stuff is really important. Okay. That 
we can kind of work through these difficult situations together as a people and understand that there's mutually sure. vested interests that sometimes though don't intersect and so how do we uh, when we when we balkanize and it's just my special my group and my tribe and my demo versus yours everything is bone on bone as opposed and there's no empathy at all i went through this thinking exercise just to provide some empathy for this i i didn't feel offended at all that disney world asked me to to i didn't feel like it was a violation at all before letting me come into a park with 40 other thousand people to make sure i'm not running a temp because we all know that's the number one sign of the of of having the virus correct yeah okay i was far more offended at wearing a damn mask that doesn't work all day long because it doesn't work right but this is where when we break down and we're incentivized to further break down along certain lines that it gets really hard for us to come together, come now and reason together. How, hey, how do we navigate this together? I want to be in business. You want to come to work. You want to listen. You want to buy my stuff. I want to sell it to you. So we all have something in common here, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So then how do we accommodate all these things that are, that are getting in the middle of that transaction and relationship from happening? And how can we make this be mutually beneficial to people? There has to be some give and take somewhere somewhere the business owner has some rights the corporation has some rights okay denying me the ability to breathe particularly with something that has been proven to not be efficacious i would argue isn't one of them but then the idea that they can't screen anybody ever no matter what i think that's going too far can i add to this sure there's a huge difference between let's say a temperature check and injecting an experimental vaccine well that's the whole next step of this you're exactly right yeah you're exactly right but also what, you know, what Gusto Pizza did to me, mm-hmm. you know, it, it ultimately, the customer is not always right. And also it, the flip side is the, the, the business owner is also not always right. It, it ultimately is, where is the biggest un, uh, imposition in relation to reality itself? I can't come in and ask people to use my pronouns. I can't do that to a business right, owner, right. but a vice, vice versa. This is the equivalent. Can you come in and make... Can, can can either party say in order to either shop here or vice versa you have to walk on your hands in my store mm-hmm. you no you can't do that mm-hmm. it's a def, it's in defiance of reality no matter what your motivations are for doing it that's basically we where we are often on both ends of this thing people maybe are asking, so is the, so is the solution then just a a a, a macro blanket of liability protection they can't and they can't check your temp they can't do anything whatsoever but hey we we tell pharmaceutical manufacturers they can't be sued right you can't sue them so then you can't sue any private business in america if you get covid no matter what the contact tracing says blanket liability for everybody unconditional should we just do that then i don't know i'm asking you're putting me in the awkward position of that's not a great answer but it might be our best answer right i mean there needs to be some form of of massaging and negotiation here right I mean, we're all in. We, I almost said we're all in this together. <laughs> oh no, John three seventeen. I'm sorry. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.